This podcast is brought to you by 411 Fightwear, an e-commerce platform that's redefining the local fightwear industry. You can check them out at 411fightwear.com and also on Instagram at 411fightwear. That's 411fightwear. Welcome back to Leverage Radio. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Daniel Isaac. He's a third-generation martial artist, former world kickboxing champion, founder of the World Kickboxing Council, CEO of SFL, one of the founding members of IMA, CEO and owner of the Tigers Dan Gym, and so much more. Uh, he's a real old-school legend of the MMA scene in India. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Hi, Mohit. Hi, Ashwin. How are you guys doing? Not bad. In fact, I'm actually quarantined right now because I might have COVID. So <laughs> with that in mind, uh, yeah, best I could be. How is this yeah. lockdown treating you? Well, um, one thing for sure is that the whole, the whole way we do our work and the way we do our business has all changed. And, <laughs> and, and we, we literally had, I would say... At least here in the U.S., we had like literally a week to figure it out. I don't know how it was in India, but we literally had an announcement saying the state of Missouri is going to shut down. The city of St. Louis is going to shut down. Nobody's coming back to work for some time. We don't know what, you know, it's uncertain. And that was all we knew. There was, there was nothing else. So overnight, you know, of course, we... We were actually dependent so much for work with all of the classes that we're teaching all day. So my usual schedule was Monday to Saturday, um, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. teaching classes. And then all the, all the gyms were closed. Nobody's able to show up. And then we literally had just a couple of days to say, okay, how are we going to make money? You, you, you know how it is in the U.S. If you don't make money... You go back to where you came from, you know? <laughs> so we literally, we literally had a couple of days to figure it out. And then we started doing these uh, online classes. And that's what actually got us going, online classes. And then, you know, now once the state has opened up, we're doing some outdoor training at the parks. But yeah, right. making it happen. I mean, it's, it's refreshing to see people who are hustling. Um, yeah. for lack of a better word uh, because um, a lot of people we are in touch with at the moment are just sitting at home not doing much so yeah. um, I mean it's refreshing to see that you haven't stopped teaching since uh, this yeah. thing happened um, but I mean things are opening up there now aren't they because in India I mean apparently next week in Bombay things are supposed to open in Maharashtra, but have things started opening? Like gyms, have they started opening there yet? So I think the, the, the thing with people here is they seem to be maybe a little more, you know, smarter than the government, I think. They are actually expecting the worst with the second wave. So even though the city and the state has actually said everybody can go back to work, business as usual, but people are not ready to come back. So right. most of the places, I'm actually right at the crossroads. We were about to open our own new gym in, in Florissant, just, just close to where I live. And we were just at that point, you know, we were about to just kind of stop teaching at all the other centers and just focus on our gym when this happened. But now we're still not sure if we should open that gym right away because people are still not ready to go to gyms. And just with all the rules and regulations, it's just very complicated. So we're still staying with, you know, teaching outdoor classes and online classes, but people are right. still wary. Restaurants are still serving people outdoors by the patio. Mm -hmm. And it's not, they want it to seem normal, but it's not normal as yet. I mean, it's funny you should mention that because uh, Mohit and I were supposed to open our own academy. This is exclusive of Warriors Cove. In yeah. Delhi, actually. Wow. Um, like now, like June. And 
and now i don't know if our warrior school of gems are going to make it because uh we've been out of business for what half a year now almost so yeah. um so i mean things are getting really scary here and um online people are hesitant to do but i'm, I'm i mean i'm not surprised that that's working out over there um yeah. you you've been there for how long now when, when did you shift to states i moved to the us in june 2016 so it's exactly 4 years yes damn man and uh, uh things are absolutely insane right now it is over there from what we can see in the news uh yeah. things actually starting to mellow down with the protests well um just couple of blocks away is the florissant police station and we literally have our entire street like the main the main street that we come home get off of the the highway and and head home our main street is blocked every night from 6 pm all the way to 6 am because they have the protesters standing there and just you know they're just not allowing traffic to go and and one of the one of the key places where the the protests actually began not just now even in 2014 is ferguson which is just about you know a couple of miles away from where we live but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's been it's been crazy there's there's been just so much of complications people are just not sure what to do and if you actually head out to the you know to actually watch the protests it is so different there's 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 so many diverse kinds of people who are actually actually at the protests supporting mm-hmm. the african americans so mm-hmm. it right. is it is a whole different situation people who are from the outside i don't think they still understand what's going on but i don't know some people say america's at the you know the brink of a civil war who knows man i mean some amount of um agitation i guess or rumble is required to cause some change because this is something yeah. that uh, i believe in the us at least has been happening for a long long time and yeah. um, i think it kind of highlights the fact that a lot of guys are just not trained to handle situations which is where i mean and that's the case that we always yeah. make as martial artists that like if yeah. you are if you don't have that ability to pacify a situation effectively yeah. um you know this is i mean it's just a small uh thing that you can do could save somebody's life yeah. uh, but it's just not promoted by the right sort of people you know it's just it's always been looked down upon for some reason which is yeah. like you know at least martial arts even in india for the longest yeah. time has not had uh the most stellar reputation i would say and Correct. you've of course dealt with your fair share of that so i want to yeah. just kind of take it back to um your 1993 95 run uh yeah. just uh, tell us about a little bit about that uh, winning your kickboxing world championship yeah i uh, i was i was 5 years national champion um in in kickboxing before that i'd done some full contact karate and some uh, world taekwondo federation style taekwondo um we we had my my dad was the the indian representative for one of the kickboxing federations at that time one of the, the world federations and uh, we had uh, some selections in a couple of different weight categories and you know i'm sure you would remember back in those days even if you were the best um but you had to spend your own money to go anywhere even if it was amateur just because uh, we didn't have those kind of sponsors you know it's not like the way pro mma is in india that everything's yeah. paid for back in those days we didn't we didn't have that opportunity so um i i passed through a couple of uh, national selections and then my dad and i went to um we went to the crimea uh, i i competed at the the wako uh, kickboxing Olymp- olympics which is not of course the mainstream olympics but it's a kickboxing olympics right so it was it was like right. you know like a world championship we had uh, we had about 39 countries participating um i got to compete against champions from japan from china from eastern europe um very tough competition my the my final fight um was against a local champion so we we went up in both the brackets and 
and my my opponent um he he won his fair share of fights and then we competed in the finals mm-hmm. uh which was well attended um they had the the local government officials uh, very nice setup it was it looked like a pro show you know they had all the lights and the music and all for entrances but great experience hard fought fight um i was able to win it and all of that you know that high and that that experience of winning a world championship at that category mm-hmm. um you know was just kind of muffled down when you when i came back to india because mm-hmm. absolutely nobody cared so <laughs> it was like oh oh acha kidhar khel gaya kya kar gaya medal jeeta acha real gold hai kya you know those kind of things so right. it it didn't make a difference to india you know it absolutely yeah. didn't make a difference to india if somebody went out and won something however big or small it was Mm-hmm. so i think that kind of uh, it kind of impacted me uh and i i think i that's when i actually thought rather than me continuing to pursue my career as a as a competitive martial artist i think maybe i should deviate and start to maybe build a proper circuit uh work on a federation and an organization and then hopefully establish a foundation but maybe our athletes and our fighters and our martial artists can get some sort of respect you know because it doesn't make sense if you just go and compete but it's not respected so yeah that's that's in a nutshell what happened during that time i mean i i can't imagine how frustrating that could have been uh going putting it all on the line winning and then absolutely zero recognition i mean that is actually yes, probably life changing right we actually flew out from delhi because we had to fly from delhi to uh, kiev ukraine and then we took um, we took a train from kiev to sevastopol in crimea and then by road we went from sevastopol to alushta and alushta in crimea is, is like a sports city mm-hmm. um it's literally like 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 rocky 4 you know you're just mm-hmm. out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere nobody recognizes you um and then they they made a train with their um olympic boxing coach and i didn't understand why they did that but they had their olympic boxing coach training with me or working with me for a month so my dad was there my dad was already training with me but they said no mr daniel we our coach will train with you so okay let me say man i mean i know if if we had to say no we might have had like a gun you know gun pointed at our yeah, heads yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever you say man so we so i trained with them and i think maybe i i was i was able also to maybe sharpen my my boxing a little bit just because i think the eastern european style is is a lot more different um yeah. I, i i really learned a lot during that one month so i don't know if it if they had just people watching me or if i was being filmed secretly or whatever but i know that m- many of the outstation um competitors had local coaches coaches working with them so it it obviously didn't matter when i actually competed because in those days my kickboxing was more kicking so my hands were yeah. usually just to set up a kick mm-hmm. uh, right. so for me it didn't matter if he wanted to train me in boxing i was going to train boxing all all month it didn't it didn't matter because ultimately i was going <laughs> to use kicks so but yeah it, it it was a it was a great experience uh came back to delhi zero recognition and then when we came to to devlali back to our, our town where, where where we lived that's where we actually got some recognition because the local people the local newspapers um you know my, back in those days my dad had a big following um uh, for martial arts in in nasik and devlali uh so he you know a lot of his contacts is students newspaper people they actually had like a procession on the road with the drums and everything uh but yeah when we go. came back home in in devlali we had some some recognition but yeah just on a national level nobody cared nothing right yeah wow well uh, i i hate to have to say this but i feel like not a lot might have changed i mean a little bit for sure and yeah you you deserve a hell of a lot of credit for that like you said if you made that switch uh post your winning effort like we are now maybe uh 25 years close to remove from that and yeah. i think now we can say that mixed martial arts in india and combat sports in india is definitely uh, at a much 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 higher level 
then yeah. uh, it was even 15 20 years ago right oh for sure 100% so, yeah cheers f- for that man like we genuinely like i think oh, oh a little bit of all of whatever we are doing as well to guys like yourself who took the hard road uh, to try and do this you know even as a competitor as a promoter so yeah. i just wanted to convey my thanks for that i appreciate that more thank you cheers um so uh, after you come back and you decide okay i'm going to get into building a foundation for martial arts and bu- building yeah. a more structured community for martial arts in india um yeah. where what was your first step where did you begin so this happened this this competition happened in uh, july of 94 um came back to india and uh, again just because of the local connect i was offered a job with the the indian army as an instructor and i took up that contract for 2 years so i actually dropped out of college just to pursue um working in in the martial arts um i i started i started teaching with the army it was it was a like a full time teaching job so every evening from 3 pm to 7 pm i was teaching the recruits i was teaching the officers and then i had an you know officers kids class officers wives class but you know it was all evening full on teaching and then in those days we didn't have brazilian jiu jitsu in india but we had what we had was something called unarmed combat or uac which which the army was teaching and so my my dad was ex indian navy and then obviously i got to learn a lot from him um so most of the techniques that we were teaching disarming techniques knife defense techniques close combat was all based on that old school uac training so i would say if right. we compare it to anything today it would look like a like a krav maga krav maga right yeah so i i got to work for two years teaching the army kind of establish um the effectiveness of what i was teaching with with the army um and then from i would say 98 is when i actually started to focus on establishing uh, a stable of of fighters uh, of establishing a fight team and setting up a gym so as to speak because in those days gym means somebody lifting weights if they ask you what do you do aap gym chalate ho acha body building karte ho nahi baba gym hamara fight ka gym gym aur fight ka kya sawal hai sir again gym to body building ka hota hai so you know i hate to those things tell you it's basically the same even today <laughs> yeah. i need yeah. out of time that to answer that question is if we have to uncanny. tell our friends and family members okay so you're yeah. a gym owner but where's the yeah. equipment where's the weights yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah, right <laughs> sorry to interrupt weights, carry on the weights are our partners we're lifting up our <laughs> <laughs> start pointing active. at your friends <laughs> yeah active active weight <laughs> so yeah i think i think that there was a there was a solid period of uh, establishing that and i'll be very honest to say so let me let me quickly plug this one little thing um my dad used to run an uh, a magazine a martial arts magazine called karate star this was late mid 80s to early 90s um he this magazine was literally printed like next door it was you know as they would say four color magazine in those days <laughs> uh, it, and and my my dad had a lot of international contacts and i was his uh, i was his editor so i was the guy writing ty- on the typewriter typing out the articles in those days um wow. my dad used to he had active communication with let me see joe lewis kickboxing champion uh George Dillman I mean now nowadays everybody makes fun of George Dillman the pressure points guy but back in those days he was well respected uh Benny Urgides Benny Urgides world kickboxing champion Kathy Long Bill Wallace these are all the names that my dad was actively in communication with um right. and then he gets a letter from this promoter named Art Davy okay he gets a letter from this guy <laughs> named Art Davy saying 
we are organizing the first no rules martial arts championship. So my dad no. looked at that letter and he actually laughed. He looked at that letter and laughed. He said, it's impossible. People will die. Because my dad <laughs> organized a similar tournament in 1985 in Nasik Road. Where... Because he is a South Indian, so he's a Madrasi. So all the local guys said, "Ye is Madrasi ka hath pe denge, usko wapis Madras So my dad said, "Okay, let's op- organize an open freestyle tournament, just to establish himself." Right. And right. his guy, it, it was bare knuckle. It was bare knuckle. There was not oh, that damn. much of ground fighting, but it was freestyle. Right. So what year is this? Eighty-five. Yeah. This is eighty-five. Well, yeah, my dad did this in 1985. That's actually before the UFC. Oh, that's, yeah, so, it's eight years. Damn. So, when he gets this letter from Art Devi, he prepares his best student at that time named Shivaji Gotse, who had won that 1985 freestyle tournament. So, Shivaji Gotse, you know, God rest his soul, he, he passed away a few years ago. But he was my dad's number one guy. Badass, hardcore, no nonsense. When you when you talk about no nonsense, is those are you know those days they were literally killers, you know. Yeah. So he he prepared this guy, he trained this guy. I was I was a kid training alongside with him, but he trained for six months and they did not get a visa to to go to the United States to compete for UFC one. But my dad oh, and Shivaji Gotse had an invitation for UFC one. I'm not saying they would have won the UFC one, but I'm just saying. They had that invitation and they, they would have actually been the real MMA pioneers of India. But that's the story from, from that time. So, Please tell me <laughs> you're still holding out that letter somewhere. I, I'm sure I have the letter, but I actually reconnected with Art Devi a few years ago. And I had that wow. communication about, about my dad and him and everything. And he remembered the communication and he remembered everything that happened. Uh, but yeah... It was it was it was a great it was a great experience now knowing that he was part of that entire movement at that time and um, yeah so that's that's what happened then but based on everything that I knew had happened during during that time uh, had some sort of vision I would say uh, for me to work towards something uh, I understood that. I was a striker. I understood that my speciality was striking. I obviously did have some experience on the ground. I obviously had had grapple. I had. I still do roll sometimes. Uh, but I understood that my speciality was stand up. And so, if I was going to build a team, it was important for me not just to be the sole coach, but to have a team of instructors. Somebody who would specialize in, you know, with with jujitsu. Somebody who would specialize in muay thai. Somebody who would specialize in wrestling. And so we. We actually started our first center at a local Akada. The guy who owned that Akada was my dad's ex-student. My dad was still alive at that time. But we went there and even though we had not formally trained in Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Alan, who was, who was my roommate in those days, again, long story, I left home and everything for love. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the girl who is my wife now, I, I left home right for her reasons. at that time. So, long story. Right <laughs> yeah, long story. So, Alan was my roommate, um, and we used to we used to watch those those old school highlight videos that used to be posted on Sharedog.com. Did you ever watch those videos? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Sharedog's still around. Yeah, yeah so, still kicking, yeah. man. It's still kicking. <laughs> so, Sharedog.com used to have those videos. Um, Sakuraba. Yeah. Uh, Gracie highlights. Voice Gracie yeah, highlight videos. The pride um, stuff. All the pride stuff. All yeah, the, the yeah, pr- yeah. I mean, you know that pride was more popular in those days. So we, we used to download those videos. We used to watch everything that they were doing. And, and Alan would practice his submissions on me. Of course, <laughs> I, of course I was always trying to out punch him and out kick him and try to get out of the way. But he would always trap me and get me in a heel hook or a rear naked choke or one of those things. And so we, we would go to the Akada. And then we would we would start a train. The wrestlers would come and say, "What is this?" He said, "WWE." And we would say, "Yeah, this is WWE." And then Alan would choke them out. And then we slowly got the guys to start a train with us. So that's that actually the, the beginnings of uh, beginnings of Tiger's Gym. How long ago was this? 
Uh, I'd say this was late 90s. So between 98 to 2000 is when we actually uh, got to to do those experimenting rolling sessions with, with wrestlers and street fighters and all that. And uh, for those of you that don't know, this is Alan Fernandez. Uh, he's currently running uh, Matrix Fight Night, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the director of operations of Matrix Fight Night, yeah. Yeah. Also a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a very, very close friend of yours, uh, right? So how do you guys know each other uh, except for college? You guys still together? Is he, still, is he there with you right now in Missouri? He is here. Oh, shit. So how did you, what is this journey you got? You, this is a long journey you guys have been on. The boys are enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to say that Alan got trapped here because he... He, he entered in just before the international borders were closed. So, oh, no, no. Trapped yeah. here. Sure. I mean, I would kill to be, I would, I would kill to be trapped there. <laughs> no, but that's, yeah. that's a long run you guys have had together. Yeah. So, um, how come uh, we haven't seen you train full-time BJJ yet? If I, because you're so close to Alan, I, I, I'm, not, I'm surprised you don't put on a gi. I, 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 would, I, would say, um, I would say I'm old school. So, I'm still, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still trying to fight a way to beat you guys. You guys. <laughs> you grapplers. I'm still trying to find a way. Still trying to find a way. To use intelligent traditional martial arts. <laughs> I'm still trying. Maybe when I'm old, I might do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So we had. Speak. Uh, uh, so you're currently with um, the Global Authority for Mixed Martial Arts, uh, the Federation. Federation, correct? Yeah. And so, uh, how does this work in sync with the? With IMA, does it overlook IMA? Is it the governing body for IMA? How does that work exactly? I'm not too sure. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It depends on who's watching the show. Some people might get offended by this. If you're not, if you're fine with me <laughs> don't speaking worry. my mind. Nobody's going to get offended. Say everything. Please speak your mind. Yeah. We, I, I, was, I, was, I was working closely with, with IMAF, which is the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation. They're based out of uh, the UK, but originally established in Sweden. Um, I worked closely with them right from the time they actually launched, which was, I'd say, 2013. I was at the first IMF World Championships in Vegas. It was held at the UFC Expo. I was at the second one. I was at the third one. Um, I was also nominated to be one of the board members of IMF. Um, I, I understood how their organization worked and everything else and everything was good. They were new. Um, so they had a lot of issues that they were dealing with, uh, but they had a good vision. And uh, I, I appreciated that original concept that they had to kind of set up a, a world body. Mm -hmm. right. But there was a couple of world bodies even before them that I was involved with before I started associating myself with IMAF. So, IMA, which is obviously our Indian organization, was affiliated with IMAF right. uh, ever since IMAF started. So, we were the first Indian organization to represent them. But so, the, uh, the All India Mixed Martial Arts Federation, uh, no. sorry, the All India Mixed Martial Arts Association Correct. was the link for the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation in India. Have I... Yeah, we were there. We were their representative. Correct. Awesome. So just so we that the listeners are clear on what we're talking about. Yeah, we, we were their representative. We had our team that went, competed at their events in uh, Singapore, in South Africa, in the UK. Last in year the in US. the Middle East as well, last year, I believe. Um, I we think... were not in that one. Now, now somebody else is working for them. Okay. Okay. I've yeah. had their championships in Dubai, I believe. Correct. That's different. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so we, we were, we were actively part of their organization. And then, um, down the line, we, we had some, uh, we had some differences. Uh, there was some, some politics. Uh, I wasn't happy with, I wasn't happy that we being a 
national representative for a world body that that world body would send Mark Goddard to another federation in India to train their officials while Mark Goddard is the head of the referee judge committee of IMAF and IMAF is represented by IMA right. in India. So right, right. why would they send Mark Goddard to another federation that's not affiliated with them? That was how right. this all started. Regardless <laughs> of what they say, this is how it started. <laughs> that's okay. ridiculous. So, 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 so the moment that started, you know, I literally did a video call with all the officials and Kerit Brown and I said, Kerit, what is this, man? Mm. How do you, is this, this, I mean, I know that Indian organizations do that, but right. a world body to do that, that's just, it's not fair, you know? So that's how it started. And then, you know, some of our guys, some of the guys who were with IMA, they, they two-timed us because they kind of capitalized. They understood that, okay, there's something going on between the world body and, and IMA. So my own people kind of betrayed us to do their own thing and make their own connections. And it was just mm -hmm. a big political, you know, mutiny, I would say. So when that happened, you know, the, the IMA board, the original IMA board, and myself, we sit up, we sat down and have, we had a conversation. We said, you know what? Okay. Let, let this all go. You know, politics, we understood politics was going to happen sometime or the other. They're working with somebody else. You know, they made it into a big fiasco that we had actually breached the rules or whatever, but they were not ready mm -hmm. to think about them breaching the rules of trust with us in the first place. So <clears throat> we were like, okay, let's let that go. Let's let that go. But what's the next step? What we understood was, that IMA was actually an Indian federation that was older than IMAF. Because yeah. IMA, as an Indian federation, was registered in the year 2004. Okay. Whereas the World Federation was registered in 2013 or 12. Even if they were registered in 10, we still had a six-year head up, heads up on them. You're right, 2012. So, ultimately decided to do is if we already have that experience, we already have that expertise, and now I'm based in the United States, we decided to set up a World Federation. And this would be GAMAF. And yes. that's what GAMAF is. So the Global Authority for Mixed Martial Arts Federations is a, a board of like-minded businessmen, martial artists, instructors, doctors, uh, people who have the same vision as I have, the all locals from the United States. Um, and so we, we set up GAMAF and that's what GAMAF is today. So and of course, this is directly linked with IMA, correct? So now IMA is affiliated on the GAMAF. Okay. So the MFN um, fights that are sanctioned by IMA are also, also by, linked with the Global so Authority for Mixed Martial Arts Federation. So IMA... IMAG does the, the national sanction and right. GAMAF provides the world sanction. Right. Um, now, mind you, you know, I, I make it seem just like a little thing when I just say GAMAF was registered, but obviously it took some time for us to go through the entire process for us to draft rules and regulations. We've actually drafted certain rules that Ashwin knows because Ashwin had some issues when we were talking about the rules and regulations during the rules meeting at one mm -hmm. of the MFNs. We're discussing the, you know, the restart rule and things like that. But mm -hmm. that's what makes GAMAF different. Um, mm -hmm. The way we're different from other federations, we have a different rule set. Uh, we have sport MMA. Um, we, we, have, we have some differences from the other world federations, which hopefully makes us unique in MMA. Awesome. Um, so just going back to the same, I was just checking out uh, the GAMAF page on Facebook and yeah. you released a video about a year ago and I'm, I'm paraphrasing um, where you said that when you join with GAMAF, we take a look at your special, what your speciality is and we explore that uh, without yeah. giving too much away in a few years, we're looking at global domination to reach out yeah. to all aspects of mixed martial arts. So um, again, 
that was a year ago and you didn't shed too much light on the specifics of it um yeah. if you don't mind any specifics you'd like to share with us or anything that you have planned for the next few years uh, as a part of gamaf yeah i mean obviously the the entire pandemic has changed uh, <laughs> certainly almost it's, it's made everything every, so much worse everybody's everybody's vision has temporarily you know taken a setback sure. but uh, right. Right. i i i definitely i definitely know that our plans are to continue to expand and to grow uh politics does play a big role in mma and uh the federations that i was working with you know obviously are trying to you know spread a lot of negativity a uh, lot of people who are joining our organization many other new countries who are joining gamaf always coming back to us saying hey somebody said this and somebody said that um uh, so all, all those factors are obviously playing because we're a new federation and uh, just because people did highlight you know certain situations that were clashes between them and us but um at the end of the day i would say our primary difference is that we do not want mma to go to the olympics you want to keep it a professional sport mm-hmm. yeah we that that's that's what gamaf is what what gamaf is is i would say that gamaf is the 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 pro the pro sanctioning and regulating authority for mma that's what we would want gamaf to be mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we although we will have amateur competitions but amateur competitions will be more for establishing you know uh establishing fighters experiences development of focus, talent yeah the the focus will be on professional mma because at the end of the day if you if you look at where how mma started it was always about professional fights it was always about professional fights and the it's it's my opinion this is my opinion but i'll just i'll just go ahead and say it according to me every martial arts sport the moment it went to the olympics it changed i'm not saying it was destroyed i'm not saying it became bad i'm saying it changed from its yeah. original mm-hmm. format so according to me if mma enters the olympics it's going to change it's not going to be the same mma that right. we knew whether it's yeah. safer or it's going to change it's going to be watered down um mm-hmm. so well it's it's my interest and my opinion that we do not have mma going to the olympics but if it does i'd say mma will not go to the olympics at least for the next 10 years but if it does make its way to the olympics before then i would still want this platform to still exist as an alternative for amateur mma right. so that's what gamma uh, that's that's our role that's a that's an interesting perspective in fact uh, i agree with the sentiment that i mean my whole outlook towards this is uh, this there's too much at risk for people to do this for no money uh, i feel even yeah. boxing um, no matter how much gear you put on no matter how much you water it down if you're being hit in the face and taking shots to the head i feel you should be compensated for it with more than just a medal um, yeah so i that's that's an interesting perspective which i have not heard before doing a lot of doing a lot of amateur championships over these last few years before gamaf um doing amateur championships and doing a pro show the mindset of the organizer is he's always wary he's always concerned he's always up there his nerves are always up there in an amateur championship because there is no insurance there's no insurance right. any amateur championships in india for mma there's no insurance yeah. and the reason why we are more secure when we're doing a pro mma event mm-hmm. is because the moment the guy gets hurt regardless of the severity of the injury he has a standby oh, makeshift you know medical center in the stadium yeah. he has experienced right. doctors and then he has a cardiac ambulance that's going to take him to a state of the art hospital and cover right. up to you know a lakh and a half expenses for him including mm-hmm. surgery which is mm-hmm. great yeah but in an amateur championships the the competitors have to sign waivers 
That's a yeah. scary thing, you know? But yeah. somebody has to be protected. And so they have to sign waivers. We have to sign waivers. And then if somebody gets hurt, the best that we're going to be able to do is, you know, have someone escort their, their coach or their team along with them to a local hospital. But again, when it reaches the expenses, it's going to be their own expense. Yeah. And then, right. you know, there are times that as a, as a promoter, you know, out of emotion, you want to step in and do certain things, but how long can you do that for? So it's a scary thing doing an amateur MMA tournament. Um, there's a lot more security in the pro realm. So mm-hmm. it's hard to, to work around this entire dynamics because obviously you have to have an amateur scene for people to build their experience and reach, you know, as a feeder reach to the pro circuit. But it is a right. complex situation. So That's, uh, even we uh, currently, um, uh, basically, we've started this podcast as a channel to promote a tournament that we are kicking off as well. And one of the USPs that Ashwin and I discussed was that we want to make this a professional jujitsu tournament where we get we reach out to the best guys in the country and invite them to compete for a substantial amount of uh, winning, not just yeah. accolade or, you know, shabashi. Uh, right. Have something to show for it and they can go home with, you know, this is how I'm going to make uh, a life for myself because I feel like that is crucial to the development of talent is incentive, man. Like how, how are people going to want to do this if they don't yeah. see the light at the end of the tunnel. Not only want, how are they going to continue doing it without any money? That um, too. Right. So, so um, go ahead. So from that, um, I, I just want to get to pick your brain on 2004 Clash of Champions. You were a promoter yeah. for that. Um, So Ashwin and I are basically in the same shoes at the moment, right? We are trying to put this promotion on. We're trying to make it a good show. Um, What lessons can we take away from you from doing Clash of Champions? Um, I, I know that you just mentioned that what you would like to do would be to give a fair compensation to the winners. Um, my advice in a structure of, you know, behind the scene safety, that's more, more important, mm-hmm. you know, right. um, you and I both know that in, in jujitsu, you know, depending, obviously depending on the rules, but you can have some pretty serious injuries as well, mm-hmm. you know? For so, sure. um, I would say it's more important to put your focus all to covering the safety of the athletes. Mm-hmm first um, and that safety has to extend to a particular limit beyond just the the days of the event you know like what we would usually do during those days is try to ensure that there is you know post event medical coverage so your right. your insurance company should, should try to provide that once all of that exists you know that's when you're going to have the actual best of India coming forward because they know okay that everything I'm going to do is worth it because I'm not going to be spending my own money. I might win five lakhs as a grand champion, but what if I have to spend five have to lakhs? Spend three lakhs. Yeah, exactly. After the event. So if, if there is an insurance company that can provide that kind of post-event safety, that's so much mm-hmm. more, um, you know, in the mindset of the athletes, it gives them some sort of, um, some surety, you know, and, and um, you know. They put on a better show subconsciously. Right. Confidence right. that they'll be taken care of. They'll be right. all right at the end of the day. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. And um, another thing I'd like to pick your brain about is um, on the topic of federations. Um, yeah. Because obviously we are, um, we'll be organizing this tournament. Uh, how do you navigate the politics and the he said, she said, they said this, that. Of, I'm sure you've had your share of it with the amount of federations you've been a part of. You just mentioned it actually. Um, how do you manage to stay composed and uh, basically navigate these troubled waters? Because I'm sure uh, the politics in this country really overwhelms you at, at after some point of time. Uh, 
is that an easy thing to do uh, have you grayed has your hair grayed because of that or uh, yeah i mean every step of the way you want to get out of it <laughs> every step of the way every step of the way you reflect back to those pride videos and you say this is not that yeah this is this is not that this is something else and i i think that you know the human element the human element you know um us as humans being ambitious over ambitious uh politics greed all of that you know it's it's a human element so you're going to deal with that regardless like even the mm-hmm. even the the best people who who swear allegiance to you and the most sincere looking martial artists that will bow to you a million times will still stab you in the back the moment Mohit. the moment they see Mohit. i'm yeah. waiting for my moment sabash what you going to stab me back i'm literally that i'm literally waiting for the day i can turn around and stab this guy in the back <laughs> i'm sure yeah. with you guys is not going to be a knife it's going to be this <laughs> no i'll probably need a knife i'll probably need a knife with him <laughs> um, yeah so uh, no but uh, sorry uh, so being a third generation martial artist i'm sure um, a lot more than techniques uh, in the craft have been passed on to you do you, do you think uh, these attributes have helped you out in navigating these uh, issues that you faced over the years i i i i honestly don't think that's going to change i think that's just going to get worse for them better obviously but it's going to be worse i i think the primary the primary situation is let me let me see, let me see if i can put this really properly i feel that the foundations martial arts ethics the foundations of discipline and respect um don't necessarily transcend from the dojo to the federation and when it becomes sport rather than art there's a whole new world of human ambition and competitiveness and rivalry that's going to occur okay. as long as it's as long as it's as long as it stays within the art you understand hierarchy i'm also that you understand hierarchy you you understand that you know sensei knows what he's talking about the reason why i'm working with him is because sensei understands what he's talking about Right. but the moment it becomes sport then the whole sensei thing is thrown out the window now it's just a coach there's right. just a sir and there are hundreds of sirs you know so i feel mm-hmm. that sport has a lot to do with with sports politics and i think that's just going to get worse because the moment the more you see the more sportsmen sportsmen coming into mma rather than martial artists coming into right. mma you'll see that difference so yeah that's just my perspective i i, I think it's never going to change it's always going to be there i think guys like yeah. gsp share your perspective i would say yeah where they i mean i i mean being a martial artist i've learned only over in the, in recent years is much different i used to be a calculator shit up until 4 years ago <laughs> um yeah but only recently have i realized um uh that's i mean you don't want the new new generation looking looking up at somebody who is um uh, as brash as i used to be um yeah so i've learned learned that only after i've actually had students yeah so i i can see what you're talking about yeah so um i did a lot of research on you um before we got on this so i would love to go back into your timeline again and okay. learn a little bit more uh, how did the sfl come about like so you went from clash of champions 2004 sfl is i believe 2012 12 so uh, how did that come about so i would say uh, just because during those days i think our first if i remember clearly um our first article was in a business publication called the mint is it still around yeah it is yes yes live mint now so live mint from delhi uh 
yeah there was there was this uh, reporter forget his first name i know his last name was basu but he was the guy who reached out to us he was just doing a research on up and coming sports and athletes in india and he came across what we were doing and by that time we were already traveling to to hong kong to singapore to you know different countries and going and competing uh, and that's how he read about us and he reached out to us and we had our first our first article our first article which actually got some national coverage mm-hmm. and right. so it was i think the article the heading of the article was street fighters get a chance at sport or something like that and so alan was featured as this you know this hardcore street fighter that <laughs> got into martial arts and you know couple of my other students in in those days so i think articles like that that was the first one then we were featured on star 1 on some you know novelty program or something that you know this is fitness martial arts or something but we were actually tigers gym at that time and then cnn ibn did the story on us so yeah it, it was it was just it was people were getting to know about everything mm-hmm. that was happening and then we had espn reach out to us we so a lot of tv channels started reaching out to us but we didn't we didn't actually sign up with everyone uh with with anyone at that time but there was a lot of noise being made a lot of people were talking about this right. little gym in this little village in maharashtra where fighters were being trained that's that's the kind of promotion that we were getting in those days right. so that grew a little bit then we started having a lot of international people we started getting a lot of jiu jitsu instructors coming down and working with our guys training with our guys um some fighters started coming over so all of that started building up and i think we kind of established ourselves even on social media so if you would if you would just type mma india we were like tigers gym was showing up right on top in those days right right so before sfl uh sony sony was launching an mma project okay so sony signed me up as a exclusive consultant for a promotion that they had called RFC or Raw Fighting Championships um interesting sunil, sunil shetty was supposed to be the uh face of of the event and they had put in onto it it was actually supposed to be the fights were supposed to be held on a barge in the sea <laughs> <laughs> they had, they wow. had literally that's like end of the dragon i had said I, i before I was, they got to the island i was 100% against it <laughs> i was 100% against it but that's how you, it was supposed you to win be. by kicking the guy into the sea <laughs> it's crazy i mean i'm just surprised they didn't plan to have sharks swimming around and things like that no, no. but yeah that that was that was the event that i was actually supposed to be a part of so for 2 years we were working on this project we had numerous meetings with sunil shetty's team uh the the board of sony and you know it was it was going in the right direction they had put in a lot of money into it and then what happened was they had a business marriage with the ufc oh god and so that entire project got shelved just overnight oh overnight they were so like that... all right guys rfc is not happening like i i still have a i think i have a promo somewhere of that rfc you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure i have that they they overnight they said okay rfc is not happening now we are you know in bed with the ufc so it's going to be just ufc content on sony right so we're not going right. to be doing our own thing so that's how that got shelved but i was still in this contract in this exclusive contract with them and i was not allowed to work with anybody else so right. that's when that's when raj came to india and uh was he went to different gyms and he got to see what people were doing and then i had a gym in bombay i was working with some people in bombay and so he came to bombay and met with me and then he asked me and said look this is what i want to do and i was like hey man if this is going to be just like the last project i did you know for 2 years and then you get you get bought out by somebody that i'm not interested in he said no i can i can guarantee you that he says i i guarantee you that, that we will definitely make a will will make a mark on on indian mma so he so yeah he he you know unveiled those plans 
I had to, you know, get a permission and, you know, get released from that contract from Sony. And then I signed with SFL and yeah, that's how SFL happened. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Alan being promoted as a street fighter. When I think of Alan, I think of the exact opposite. He's the sweetest guy you'll ever come across if you actually have a conversation with him. If you actually speak to him. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he can fight, but I do not. But I think of Alan, I think of super nice guy. Soft-spoken. Yeah. <laughs> super nice guy, soft, soft-spoken. But my joints don't agree with that. My neck doesn't agree with that. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's just like that you don't think of that. Yeah. Uh, and I've been trying to get Alan onto this podcast also after yours. But uh, yeah. he replies to my messages about two days late. Two days later. <laughs> so if you see him today, please let him know. I will for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So we've covered SFL. Uh, just to... For just to stop that for a second um, and go back to IMA, you guys are hosting these virtual championships at the moment, correct? Correct, yeah. So, what can you just give us a little brief about what this is and how does one go about enlisting in this? So, you know, Ashwin, as, as I told you, it's, it's all about adapting now. You know, when mm. three months ago, when everything shut down, the fighter still texting us and saying, Sir, fight ko bhi milega. I said, Yeah, fight to hona chahiye na. Agar fight ho nahi raha hai, to fight ka se milega. Haan, sir, jab bhi hoga, tum right. fight karan. Baba, mm. That's a different <laughs> level altogether. We have to, right. so, and I, what I was seeing was, I was just seeing all these guys, everybody's posting videos. Somebody's mm. hitting the bag, somebody's running, you know, training Non-stop, in the hills yeah, and right. this and that. Everybody's training, everybody's working out and they're posting their videos on social media. So I said, mm-hmm. why don't we make a competition of this, you know? Just make a competition right. of that. And right. so that's what we did. We, we created this virtual championships and we had, we had a category that's shadow boxing. We call it shadow fighting because it's not just hands. So right, you, right. Can even, you can even do wrestling and jujitsu drills, solo drills. And that's, that's accepted as part of the competition. And that can go okay. against somebody who's doing stand-up or you can put it all together. You know, mm-hmm. so it's right, basically right. solo drills that we call shadow fighting. Then there's bag work. And again, for bag work, it's MMA. So you do bag slams. You can do all kind of bag training, not just boxing bag work, you know? Right. So right. then there's pad work. That's the third category. And your pad work is with a partner. So you can do proper MMA along with your partner. Um, right, right. Then the fourth one is a motivational, a motivational video. So like a little story, a little documentary, something to inspire somebody, music, editing, all of that. Um, and then the, the last one is, um, the MMA fitness challenge. So, you know, like Yoel Romero, you're coming in there, just showing the best kind of fitness you have as an MMA athlete or the stuff that athlete, you do yeah, yeah. apart from martial arts training. So that's right. the five categories that we have. And you basically have to just film that video. You have to be the center of that video. And then you, you go to the IMA website, you register there, submit your videos. And then we did the event as a live stream over three nights. So for us, we were working here like from 12.30 in the night till four in the morning, but it was a live stream. We got crazy amount of views and viewers and we had some money as well for the winners. I think we totally, we gave out about, did. I think we wow. gave out about two lakhs maybe totally in, in cash prizes. Um, what? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these guys uh, are making this at home. Literally having making to leave video, homes. sitting at home, submitting a oh, video and you oh, have a chance of winning a cash prize. So I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had, we had good traction on social media and the next one's happening in the last week of uh, July. So right now we're oh, just locking awesome. in, you know, a sponsorship deal. I'm trying to up the cash prize at least two or three times than what we did the last time. So once that comes together, we'll be good to go. So Dude, that's if, a lot of money. So, what is the winning criteria? Like, if I were oh, to... Yeah. Sub- who, wait, wait. who judges this? Do you judge it? So, or does yeah, so what, judge it? So, what we did was we had uh, six judges. We had mm-hmm. judges from the business side of MMA. We had, like, MMA referee. Like, Steve Mazagati was one of the uh, judges. Um, we had um, two of our GAMAF board members who were uh, judges. We had um, uh, the MMA India show owner. 
Praveen Dabas, who was one of the judges. And then we had uh, uh, Aisha Shroff from MFN, who was also one of the judges. So we had a, we had a diverse range of judges. Diverse, and they were given, uh, yeah. Panel. Yeah. So we, we gave them, we gave them a criteria, like just as an example, uh, the criteria for shadow fighting was number one, you got to be the subject. Uh, number two, <laughs> if, 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 you know, if you, if you're performing your solo moves, it has to be well-rounded and can't just be hands. If it, if somebody else does, you know, more well-rounded moves and you're just hands, obviously he's going to have the upper hand. Obviously, and then, correct. and then since the moves are MMA, it's, it should simulate a practical setup and combination and finish in a real fight mm-hmm. rather than just being, you know, punch here and yeah, take down there stuff, and on yeah. your back and bridge somewhere else, you know? So it right. should have everything working together. Okay. Uh, that's that's some some of the criteria. So each category has its own criteria, and I did videos, and I have a you know website full of content that kind of explains everything for everyone to sign up. Awesome. And where can we just can you give us a link or a, where to find all this? So it's it's ima.org. If you go to ima.org and you you see the the virtual, virtual championships, championships right there on yeah. the homepage. Yeah. You have all the information right there. Awesome. Okay, so this so this kind of uh, this discussion leads me into my my follow up question is um, for people who are sitting idle at home. What does a day in quarantine look like, or in the lockdown look like for Daniel Isaac? Oh, so I I wake up later than usual. What does that mean? <laughs> Half an hour later? <laughs> I, I used to wake up at I used to wake up at four forty-five every day, uh, six days a week. So four forty-five. Wow. Leave the leave the house at um, five thirty-six. Twice a week, and we're doing it outdoors. So we have a beautiful monument called the the Saint Louis Arch. So I teach an outdoor class there. And then we have another beautiful park called Forest Park. I teach an evening class there. So now I'm doing those early mornings just twice a week. But all the other days, my first class starts at 10 a.m. I do like a like a martial arts. Uh, so it's basically like a Tai Chi kind of class. It's not actually Tai Chi, but I just blend all the different styles of traditional right, martial arts. Right. So I, do, I do one of those. Then I do a cardio kickboxing mm-hmm. class. And then I do these outdoor classes. I do some personal training. Uh, it's it's all outdoors. There's no training with a partner within four walls for this period. Right. But I do that. That in the nights, uh, it's a church live stream. I'm also a pastor of a of a church, so I do a live stream for that. So all week, my family and I, literally my daughter, my my nephew, we're, we're all actually working editing videos, putting the live stream together, production, all of that. So it's it's a busy week. Yeah. Uh, Mohit, are you listening? Uh, remember when you spoke about being overworked and tired? Yeah, uh, so that uh, <laughs> brings me to my next question. Uh, Daniel, how do you make it work uh, in terms of the day-to-day functioning between India and the US? Now, of course, this is uh, assuming there is no coronavirus pandemic. Are you saying just on a normal day? Yeah, on a normal day, how like how much uh, how do you make it work between India and the US, like especially in this field? So I think the the common times are early mornings, and that works for me because it's late evening in India. It's early morning for me, and since I'm having that early morning schedule, right. I drive I drive thirty minutes from home to the place that I teach. Okay. So thirty minutes every day is good enough for me to talk to key people and get most of the work done. Um, Then when it's late evening from me and I'm back home, you know, it's morning in India. And so I'm also able to make those calls and kind of get people working for the day with their, you know, agenda and their goal set for the particular day. So I think I'm, I think in fact, communication, I wouldn't say has been restricted at all because with WhatsApp calls, you yeah. know, it's made communication so much more easier, Zoom and everything else. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much a, a normal day would look like. Nice. It's, Man, this has uh, given me some, it's given me a fire under my ass. I thought I was overworking myself. Um, <laughs> but now I have some motivation. Um, but that's insane, man. Um, 
and you still have time for family after all this yeah what we do is we ensure that um we have 3 to 4 days in the i think two evenings and twice in the day so weekends weekends i think there's only one saturday morning class that we do but then after that from saturday after 10 am all the way to sunday night we're just out in the parks we go out to eat we do picnics we like to go by the lakes boating go to the caves all of those things so we we try to ensure that we have quality family time and my daughter is going to go to time. college now so we're trying to make the best of this this time and i think the lockdown has kind of enhanced that you know lot more family time right forced family time for some of us uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you see a fourth gen i mean i'm sure there's a fourth generation of uh, um isaac's currently training uh, well, so your kids yeah my i think my my daughters are going to be a little more smarter than me so i think they'll be totally <laughs> into the business side of martial arts <laughs> but uh, yeah they i think they they are still under the impression that daddy is going to take care of everything um, right. and i think uh, although they do have you know the basic training there and isaac so you know they they know how to defend themselves for sure but uh, i think the the seriousness will come when they start going more out into the world that's when the seriousness will come that, and i understand that that's when i'll get those calls that dad we need to have this talk we need i need to train i'm an isaac <laughs> i know that's going to happen but i'll be ready for that day That's awesome to hear, man. Cool, um, Daniel. I think that that will do it for us. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time out. I mean, we know how busy you are. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Cheers. Uh, once this opens up, hopefully, I will be visiting the states, and I'm I'm going to try and drop by Missouri. That'll be great. That'll be awesome. Cool, Hopefully bro. by then, so by then we should have our gym set up also by that time. So it'll be cool. You can come and try and submit me, and I will run around the room. <laughs> <laughs> I will run around the room trying to avoid those. Trying to avoid. I'll probably trip. I'll probably trip <laughs> over something and hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and have a good day, man. I know the day is just starting for you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks have for nice coming night. on. Take care. Okay, cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.